Hi gang, thanks for downloading this classic episode of News Fighters. Just a reminder, if you're looking for new original episodes of News Fighters, they're now over on the Irrational Fear podcast feed. So search for Irrational Fear on your podcasting app or go to irrationalfear.com for all new episodes of News Fighters. In the meantime, enjoy this classic News Fighters episode. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. <clears throat> You're listening to the Sands Pants Network. Home of comedy, <laughs> culture, <laughs> adventures, and ghosts. This is News Fighters, where we fight the news so you don't have to. With Dylan Behan. Yes, hello everyone. Dylan Bain here, your favourite Aussie news comedy podcast host of 2021, uh, after Danny Lick, Sammy Shah and the Chaser guys. Uh, just letting you know, I'm on holidays at the moment, undoubtedly editing corporate videos on a beach somewhere. Uh, but just because I'm on holidays doesn't mean I don't have some great news fighters content for you here to enjoy. But before you listen to this episode, our 2021 year in review episode uh, dropped uh, just uh, after Christmas. So if you haven't listened to that, make sure you check that out in your podcast feeds and on YouTube. Now, we're all on holidays and you know who else is probably on holidays right now is Scott Morrison. So I thought in this episode, I'm going to replay all my segments about Scott Morrison traveling the world and being on holidays, including his visit to Washington in 2019, uh, which uh, that episode was hosted by Mark Humphreys, uh, and then him uh, going to the G7 in England and then on to the G20 and Glasgow COP26 uh, in 2021. So I hope you enjoy this special repeat episode of some of ScoMo on vacation. Enjoy. This is the News Fighters Daily Pilot Week. For Saturday, September 21st, 2019, with your special guest host, Mark Humphreys. Welcome to News Fighters. I'm your special Pilot Week guest host, Mark Humphreys. Not bad. Let's get to the big story of the day. Australian Prime Minister Scott Morrison has arrived in Washington with his first US visit as PM getting off to a cracking start. The Prime Minister and his wife were welcomed to the White House this morning with a 19-gun salute. Or as it's known in America, a school day. Much has been made of the relationship between Prime Minister Morrison and President Trump with the ABC reporting. The pair have developed a, a kind of a bromance. Like Ben Affleck and Matt Damon, but if they were about to declare war on Iran. Over at 
Sky News. Presenter Paul Murray was on the ground offering his unique perspective. Can you believe we're doing telly from the White House? They've let a bogan in. I'm still unsure whether Paul Murray is referring to himself or the Prime Minister here. Prime Minister Morrison's visit is being hailed as something of a coup, as invitations to meet the President are usually only offered to such dignitaries as the Taliban. And the President certainly didn't hold back when it came to praising Mr Morrison. In 2006, George W. Bush described John Howard as a man of steel. In 2019, Trump has gone one better. I would say a man of titanium. Titanium, like steel, but more lightweight and deforms faster. And while the two leaders no doubt spent much of the meeting bonding over their shared love of McDonald's, ABC News reported there was apparently more to the discussion. We've been waiting for some time. The President and the Australian Prime Minister have been in the Oval Office in the past hour chatting with each other about their uh, their mutual interests. Like baseball caps, climate change denial and locking up children. And speaking more on their shared interests, Prime Minister Morrison said... We love jobs, the President and I. We love jobs. And we like them jobs here and we like jobs everywhere. Yes, here a job, there a job, everywhere a job job. You know, they say that if you say the word jobs three times in a row, ScoMo will appear and punch you in the face with a piece of coal. As for the state dinner, given the PM's track record of behaviour in food establishments, the White House opted for a setting that could be thoroughly hosed down at the end of the night. It'll be held outside al fresco in the Rose Garden. Though it's understood that when President Trump learned that the dinner was al fresco, he called for Mr Fresco to be deported. Celebrity chef Curtis Stone was also at the dinner, so with both Curtis Stone and Scott Morrison in attendance, it's understood to be the first official meeting between the face of Coles and the face of coal. And while the Prime Minister no doubt had his fingers crossed for a traditional Trump feast of cold hamburgers, he had to settle for this menu. Ravioli and Dover sole to start, and for dessert, a classic American Lady Apple Tart. The President personally signed off on the dessert selection, Lady Apple Tart, but was furious when waiters served him actual apple tart. And while the dinner was attended by the likes of Greg Norman and Gina Reinhart, Channel 9's Chris Yulman observed an unexpected visitor to the White House. One man over here protesting Donald Trump with a, in a Grim Reaper's outfit. Though this Grim Reaper sighting was later explained by organisers of the state dinner. The guest list includes Rupert Murdoch. And speaking of Murdoch, his Sky News channel snagged an exclusive interview with President Trump. Move over Frost Nixon, get ready for Murray Trump. A Sky News exclusive. President, how are you? Paul Murray, lovely to meet you, sir. Yes, Paul Murray there asking all the tough questions like, how are you and lovely to meet you. But first up, it's our National Buffoons European Vacation. The Australian Prime Minister has arrived in the UK to begin a weekend of talks as a guest at the G7 Summit in Cornwall. Scott Morrison has just touched down in the UK for the G7 Summit, which is officially underway in Cornwall. Yes, the G7 Summit was on in Cornwall and our Prime Minister Scott Morrison was there on the periphery. Scott Morrison is there as an onlooker. Scott Morrison was there as an observer. Scott Morrison wasn't invited to the royal reception here. There has never been a more important time for Australia to be sitting around the table with the world's leading democracies. Yes, sitting around the table, just not the grown-ups table. We were in fact at the kiddies table, looking up at the uh, big economies, making the big decisions. Okay, keep eating your your vegetables and growing your renewables sector. Maybe you you can sit at the uh, big grown-ups table one day, Australia. 
In fact, our absence was even noticed by our official head of state, the Queen, who's, who was even like a, where the bloody hell were you to Scott Morrison when they met at Windsor Castle? So you, you, were, you were down there, but I didn't see you and, uh, in Cornwall. No, that was, that was just the G7 members. We had to, you were just well, a, we were an extension <laughs> partner, as they yes. call them. Ah, yes, we're an extension partner. You know that term extension partner? It's also how Charles referred to Camilla for all those years. Anyway, it doesn't matter anyway that we were just a on-looking extension partner as Scott Morrison was late. But as you can see, it's a little bit of a foggy mess at the moment and that means that no planes can land at the airport here. So Scott Morrison's flight has been diverted to an airbase just outside Oxford. It means that he and the Australian delegation now face a car trip of about four or five hours down here to the summit venue. As you can see, the weather has not been kind and that has led to Scott Morrison's plane being diverted. Yes, bad weather. In England. Who could have predicted that? Uh, it turns out the uh, delayed landing didn't impact Scott Morrison's plans too much anyway. So he had all of that time on the road. He ended up having to cancel all of his meetings today. So essentially, he's done nothing so far. Aside from stopping off for a pub lunch on his drive down here to Cornwall yesterday, uh, certainly in terms of official engagements, he really hasn't done anything. Yes, but even on the drive to Cornwall, our Prime Minister couldn't avoid controversy. One photo has garnered the worst response, and that's a photo showing Scott Morrison having a pub lunch on his way to the G7. Uh, Australians, have, there's been backlash from Australians calling it tone deaf, Pete, because Australia is still locked in. Yes, our Prime Minister stopped for a pub lunch. How dare he? While well, everyone in Australia is also stuck here, able to go to the pub for lunch. I, I don't understand the outrage. No, seriously, though, Scott Morrison had a four-hour drive. What was he supposed to do? Eat a packet of petrol station knickknacks and hobnobs and, and keep driving? Or was our head of government supposed to stop off at a drive through McDonald's? Because I heard he's not legally allowed to set foot in a McDonald's since Engadine. Oh, whoops, sorry, my Engadine McDonald's uh, joke had triggered the lazy satire buzzer there. I apologise. Anyways, on to the G7 itself. And while ScoMo was speeding up the A30 getting Walker's crumbs on his lap, Boris Johnson was welcoming the main players and reminiscing about how bad the coronavirus pandemic was. You've all been going through the most wretched uh, pandemic uh, our countries have faced for our lifetimes, uh, maybe longer, much longer. And I actually think this is a meeting that genuinely needs to happen because we need to make sure that we learn the lessons from the pandemic. We may need to make sure that we don't repeat some of the errors that we doubtless made. Yeah, Boris was like, how bad was that pandemic? Jeez, whew, some countries really stuffed that up. Feel bad for whoever led uh, the United Kingdom last year. Whew, they made some bad mistakes. Oh, oh, was that me? Oops. Also at the G7, the other big topic aside from how bad they stuffed up COVID was, of course, climate change. This summit has made it clear that clean is in and coal is out. There were promises to do more on climate change. The summit resolving to phase out coal-fired power stations and recommitting to zero net greenhouse gas emissions by 2050. World leaders agreeing to stop new government support for coal power by the end of 2021. Yes, finally, the world's biggest economies have decided to stop funding coal. Surely Australia isn't going to be left behind on this one. They're not just going to stand on the sidelines and uh, tell everyone they're wrong like a 
dodgy dad yelling at a umpire at his kid's soccer game. Oh, 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 wait, no, they did. World leaders agreeing to stop new government support for coal power by the end of 2021. Australia has no plans um, or is not pursuing anything that would could be described in that way. But once again, Scott Morrison has refused to commit to that 2050 target for zero net emissions. We're not a signatory to the G7 communique. Yes, everybody in the world is going to be off coal in a few decades and we're going to keep digging it out of the ground and selling it to absolutely nobody like an out-of-touch grandpa at a flea market. Yeah, look, kids, it's Titanic on VHS. It's, it's just like watching it on the big screen. You love the big screen. All right, how about, how about Spaghetti Incident on CD then? Everyone loves Spaghetti Incident. And meanwhile, back in Australia, our acting Prime Minister, Nationals leader Michael McCormack is like, we love coal, we, we're going to have it forever. Australia's Deputy Prime Minister has declared coal will be around for many years to come. He made that prediction after the world's seven biggest economies agreed to phase out government support for coal-fired power stations. 55,000 people are employed in the coal industry and $66 billion of exports that pays for a lot of hospitals, pays for a lot of schools, pays for a lot of barista machines that uh, uh, produces the coffee that uh, inner city types sit around and drink and talk about the, the, the death of coal. What is this coalition government's obsession with having a culture war about coffee? Everybody in Australia loves a decent coffee. Get over it. We're the country that invented McCafe. I was just on a regional tour with Irrational Fear and every little town had a bloody trendy coffee shop now. Who do, who does he think he's alienating? In fact, Michael McCormack even promotes how good the, the coffee is in the country now when he tries to get people to move there. And uh, there's many, many jobs going in regional Australia at the moment, not just on farms, but in accountancy practices, law firms, uh, Great place. Big enough in which to get a good cup of coffee. Small enough to care, Carl. I always say it. Yes, good job, Michael McCormack. Promote those uh, country town coffee shops where people can sit around and talk about how much they hate coal on their way to their coal mining jobs. Good job. Anyways, back to the G7. Of course, the real reason Scott Morrison was there was for some one-on-one time with his new best buddy, US President Joe Biden. So... How did that go? Tonight, the PM's first meeting with Joe Biden crashed by an unexpected guest on the sidelines of the G7 summit. Unusually, an anticipated bilateral meeting with the US president turned into a three-man affair. We do know that Scott Morrison wanted a one-on-one meeting with Joe Biden. He hasn't managed to get that at this G7 summit. Instead, Boris Johnson was joining in, and this is how Scott Morrison is selling it. I would say it was, a, it was a meeting of great friends and allies. Oh, don't you hate that? It's a bit like if you're in high school and you finally build up the courage to ask a girl out on a date to the movies and she agrees and you're over the moon. But when you get there, she's brought along your, your friend Billy, who's from another school. Ugh. And then on Monday, you try and spin it positively at school and you say this. I would say it was, a, it was a meeting of great friends and allies. And if that wasn't enough, after the G7, Scott Morrison has to hang out with Boris Johnson again, this time in London, to sign a free trade agreement. Well, kind of. It's an agreement 
for a free trade agreement. Prime Minister Scott Morrison and his British counterpart have this evening signed off on the broad terms of a free trade agreement. Prime Ministers Boris Johnson and Scott Morrison signing off on an in-principle agreement for a free trade deal between the two countries to be completed by the end of the year. Yes, and it turns out many in Labor here are in favour of the UK free trade deal. Uh, All the backbenchers want to see if they can swap Anthony Albanese for UK Labor leader Keir Starmer. Yes, Keir Starmer jokes. That's what you come to news fighters for. Everyone loves Keir Starmer jokes. So then how was this historic trade deal between a former coloniser and its colony sealed with a antique fountain pen signing ceremony on board a replica of the HMS Endeavour with a trading of flags or a handing back of stolen Indigenous artefacts from the British Museum? (laughs) Nope. This was the moment the two leaders delivered the news overnight, standing shoulder to shoulder and exchanging biscuits. You give us Tim Tams, we give you, we give you penguins, uh, uh, you give us Vegemite, we give you Marmite. They swapped their little jars of Vegemite and Marmite yesterday, mm. so it's all happening. Do you Tim Tams, of course. <laughs> I didn't understand what we were getting back from Tim Tams. What are penguins? I'm not familiar with penguins either. Sounds like Australia got ripped off in that exchange, don't you think? <laughs> They're not as good as the Tim Tams. Yes, it was in fact the greatest biscuit-based diplomacy since the famous ginger nuts at the Treaty of Versailles in 1919. So what do we get out of the deal? Well, aside from a packet of penguins. The new deal will eventually deliver cheaper British cars, scotch whisky and biscuits. Australian lamb, beef and sugar are likely to be exported into Britain in greater volumes and winemakers are also a winner with tariffs cut. Under the deal, tariffs on other Australian agricultural exports like dairy and sugar will be slowly phased out. Lamb and beef products will be tariff-free in 15 years. Yes, so Australian meat producers have 15 years till they have unrestricted tariff-free imports into the UK. Guys, I don't think meat lasts that long. I had a packet of mince turned brown in my fridge in a week once. 15 years, you might want to freeze some of that beef. And the deal also includes some immigration and visa changes for when borders reopen to travellers in, I don't know, 2035 probably. It'll see restrictions on working visas relaxed, with the age limit on working holiday visas increased to 35. Other changes include British backpackers being able to stay longer down under without having to work on farms. Yes, great news there for eternally developmentally arrested Aussies and Brits who can now put off getting their lives together and keep backpacking till they're 35. And with Brits no longer on our farms whinging about getting sunburnt picking our fruits and vegetables for less than the minimum wage, we could be facing labour shortages. But wait, there's a plan. The Nationals say they've done a deal to establish a new agriculture visa to replace backpackers lost under the free trade agreement with the UK. The visa would allow citizens from countries including Indonesia, the Philippines and Singapore to work in Australia for up to three years. Yes, the coalition stopped the boats, but now they need to start the planes to pick the fruit, the goats to cotties to make the cordial that I like best. Oh, hey, government, if you're looking for some uh, dedicated agriculture workers. I did hear about this uh, great Sri Lankan family that used to have a job at a Queensland abattoir that they're keen to get back to. Maybe you could uh, maybe you could work on that. Anyway, Scott Morrison's Euro trip didn't stop there. He also swung by France so the journalists could use the few French words they remember from school. And he wasn't quite ready to say au revoir to Europe, ducking across to Paris to say bonjour to President Macron. Yes, and the Prime Minister also said, s'il vous plaît and merci beaucoup before they shared an entree of plat du jour. Comme si, comme ça, où est la bibliothèque? And finally, Scott Morrison made sure he made time to stop in and visit an old friend. 
or just the only guy he knew in Paris who could translate a room service menu for him. And there was time for just a brief meeting with the now head of the OECD, former finance minister Matthias Cormann. Hey Matthias, remember when we uh, flew you around the world in our private jet for months at taxpayers' expense so you could lobby to get this job while thousands of Australians were stuck, uh, stranded overseas? <laughs> uh, good times. Okay, so ScoMo European vacation done. What next? The Prime Minister will return to two weeks quarantine in the lodge. Two weeks? That's going to need a few packets of... Tim Tams, of course. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. But first up, finally, Australia had a good breaking news story this week. Uh, here's Nat with some amazing news. Yeah, this is breaking news, Koshi. Cleo Smith, the four-year-old girl missing in Outback WA, has been found. She is alive and she is well. Anyways, from one toddler coming home to another petulant toddler who we wish would just stay away. In a matter of hours, Scott Morrison will be rubbing shoulders with fellow world leaders at the G20 summit in Rome. Yes, but as always, Joe Biden said he's in charge of the shoulder rubs. Yes, Scotty 747 was away at the G20 and COP26 UN climate talks this week and uh, oh, just look what a great reaction he got from the other world leaders. Scott Morrison has been given the cold shoulder during an awkward photo with world leaders at the G20 in Rome. At the G20, a not-so-happy family photo, a pair of presidents exchanging pleasantries 
with one Prime Minister feeling a bit left out. Scott Morrison looking around for someone, anyone to talk to. Even his former finance minister, Matthias Cormann, not engaging. Geez, I haven't seen an Australian get snubbed like that in Europe since uh, Demi Im at Eurovision in 2016, who was robbed. Robbed, I tells you. But maybe the reason everyone at the G20 snubbed Scott Morrison was the fact that he wasn't on board with one of their main agenda items. Some G20 members wanting to go even further, pushing to an end date on coal mining and coal-fired power stations. But the proposal was strongly opposed by several countries, including Australia, India, China and Russia. Yes, great to see Australia siding there with the modern progressive democracies of China, India and Russia. All right, so Morrison was against banning coal at the G20, but what policies was he in favour of? Prime Minister Scott Morrison used his address to the G20 summit to once again call for a thorough investigation into the origins of COVID-19. Scott Morrison will call on world leaders to help crack down on social media companies, arguing tech giants should expose anonymous users that abuse or defame others. Yes, while Trump might be gone from the world stage, he seems to be living on in our mini-Trump. 2.0. Yeah, while everyone else in the world is calling for the abolition of fossil fuels, vaccinating the poor and generally saving the world, our Prime Minister is like, investigate the China virus. Stop people on Twitter being mean to me. Jeez, this is the most embarrassing behaviour by an Australian PM at the G20 since uh, probably Tony Abbott used the forum in Brisbane in 2014 to whinge to other world leaders about how Aussies didn't want Medicare co-pays. It really happened. Here's a clip. Thank you, everyone. It's a a real honour to have so many of you here in the beautiful city of Brisbane uh, for this first ever G20 leaders retreat. Uh, For a long time, most Australians who went to see uh, a doctor uh, have been seen at no charge. Uh, And we would like to see a $7 co-payment Uh, for people who are going to see the doctor. Ah, remember the good old days when Tony Abbott lost the prime ministership over a $7 GP co-payment? Today, Scott Morrison forgets to order vaccines during a global pandemic and is basically pouring fuel on the world as it's on fire and everyone in the Liberal Party is like, you're the best we've got. Stick around. Stick around, ScoMo. You're as good as it gets. Anyways, moving on from the G20 in Rome, next all the leaders continued on to the COP26 climate talks in Glasgow, where again, Scott Morrison pissed off the world by not committing to halve Australia's emissions by 2030. But he's resisting pressure to join the US and UK in slashing emissions by half by 2030 which some scientists say is needed to avoid a climate tipping point. The US and the UK are among two countries who want Australia to go harder, to join them in cutting emissions by half by 2030, yet Scott Morrison won't budge. Yeah, ScoMo was probably like, 2030? The consultants only just finished up that PowerPoint that said we were somehow miraculously going to have net zero by 2050. 2030 will require a whole new PowerPoint presentation. Then, of course, he pissed off the rest of the world by refusing to limit our animal farts. China and Russia, along with... Australia refused to sign a pact to cut methane emissions by 30% by 2030. Energy Minister Angus Taylor says the only way Australia could achieve the target would be to reduce numbers of cattle and sheep. Yes, getting rid of some cattle and sheep. Well, that might help lower our methane, but I'm sure it's not going to impact the amount of bullshit we endure in this country because this government is always emitting a never-ending supply. 
So on to the leader's speeches, and I'll give you one guess what Scott Morrison uh, decided to emphasise at COP26. In his brief address to the conference, Scott Morrison pressed his case that technology is the path to net zero, but a week on the road with little sleep is taking a toll. The scene is set. Global momentum to tackle climate change is building. Yes, and you can read all about it in Australia's brand new white paper, A Global Momentum to Tackle China Climate Change. No, seriously, though, Morrison spoke of his big business embracing technology, not taxes, pathway to net zero like this. The challenge of combating climate change will be met the same way. And it will be met by those who, frankly, are largely not in this room. It will be our scientists, our technologists, our engineers, our entrepreneurs, our industrialists and our financiers. Or more realistically, our firefighters, our water bomber pilots, those guys who fill up the sandbags every time it floods, because with your commitments, things are only going to keep getting worse. And speaking of big business running the show, well, it looks like they definitely were at the Australian Pavilion in Glasgow. There was criticism of the Australian display in Glasgow because it dared to host Santos, a gas company, running a crucial project on carbon capture and storage. Even its stall inside the conference hall promotes the fossil fuel industry, including carbon capture and storage, sponsored by an oil and gas company. It's supported by mining companies, and they're the destroyers of the flavoured land. Jeez. Why is everyone so outraged by this? It's exactly like if I had Monsanto sponsor my stall at the organic farmers markets. Or if, you know, they had arms manufacturers sponsor the Invictus Games for injured athletes. Oh, no, wait, that that's actually real. That actually, that actually happens. <laughs> Look, I know this is all sounding very embarrassing for Australia, but thankfully we did commit to some positive pledges. Australia joined more than 100 countries in a promise to stop deforestation by the end of the decade. The commitment to end deforestation is a big achievement, but such promises have been made and broken before. Oh. Great, that's reassuring. Why don't we just commit to everything then? Um, Then there was this. Australia will provide an additional $500 million in aid to its specific neighbours to help them deal with global warming. Australia is also an island state. It's a very big island, um, but it does give us, I think, in in the Pacific, a very unique perspective. Yeah, $500 million for our Pacific neighbours to combat the effects of climate change. Kind of like a sorry we broke it, here you fix it kind of payment. Now, call me cynical, but I get the feeling Scott Morrison is only supporting the Pacific Islands just so he has places to go on holidays next bushfire season. He definitely cares about sea level rise when it could affect his favourite beachside tiki bar. Here's some money, build a seawall. I think the only increasing salination uh, Scott Morrison cares about is in his margaritas. And we haven't even got to the diplomatic fallout yet. Scott Morrison managed to piss off a lot of people while he was away, including our future head of state, Prince Charles, who he left waiting before barging in on him like a used car salesman with a deal he couldn't refuse. The first rule for the leader of a constitutional monarchy should be never keep a future king waiting. It's great to find your way around. Your Royal Highness. An audience with Prince Charles, who quickly became the audience for a climate sales job. Now we've committed to net zero by 2050. Australia has done that here in top 26, doubled our climate finance commitments, and we're working very close with our Pacific family, with uh, Prime Minister Badimarama and the whole team, So, which I know you have a great affection for the Pacific. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah sure. 
I love Prince Charles at the end there, trying to get Morrison to sit down like he's had too many drinks. Like, sit down, mate. Just calm, just calm down. And then just before that, Prince Charles like acknowledges the camera, like he's like you both know that he's in the most embarrassing situation of his life, uh, and he's about to delve into a on-camera monologue like Ferris Bueller style. We've uh, promised to battle armor and the whole team, so we join you. Yep, that's me. You're probably wondering how I ended up in this situation. Prince Charles has never looked more uncomfortable in his life, and his brother is Prince Andrew. But of course, the big diplomatic stoush that dominated the headlines on ScoMo's trip was with the French. Relations between Australia and France have hit a new low, with the French president accusing Scott Morrison of lying over the cancelled $90 billion submarine deal. When we have respect, you have to be tool and you have to behave in line and consistently with this value. Do you think he lied to you? I don't think. I know. Wow, what a coincidence French President Emmanuel Macron happened to accidentally walk into a press pool of Australian journalists backstage at the highly secured G20 conference. What what are the odds of that happening? And what was that? He accused our Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, of lying? How dare you, monsieur? Why, Scott Morrison wasn't about to have any part of that. Diplomatic crisis escalates. The Prime Minister hits back at the French president's slur. Slurs and sledges. That's how the Prime Minister has described the French president's verbal attack on him. Um, And the slurs that have been placed on Australia, not me. I've got broad shoulders. I can deal with that. But those slurs... I'm not going to cop sledging of Australia. Yes, slurs. You know, that highly offensive slur, the L word. Why, doesn't he know how offensive that slur is to liberal Australian prime ministers? And you know who loved using that slur against Scott Morrison was Malcolm Turnbull. Oh, he's lied to me on many occasions. I mean, there's quite a few examples in my book, but he's, Scott has always had a reputation for telling lies. All right, just to bring you up to speed on what's caused this uh, major diplomatic incident, well, maybe you remember that Australia basically de facto cancelled a French submarine contract back in September when it was announced that we would instead be going with uh, UK and American uh, nuclear subs under the new AUKUS alliance. Good evening. A powerful new military alliance has been formed, AUKUS. Australia, the United Kingdom and United States partnering to counter China's rise in the Pacific. Included in the deal, a fleet of nuclear submarines to be built in Adelaide. Well, President Macron of France has been pissed off at us ever since, saying they weren't given any notice. To which Scott Morrison says, of course you were. The PM insistent the president could have read between the lines when they dined at the Elysee Palace in June. I explained very clearly that the conventional submarine option was not going to meet Australia's interests. You told the French president that this deal was not going ahead. Is that what you said? No, I didn't say that. Yeah, that's right. Scott Morrison didn't just tell him it was cancelled. He expected him to read between the lines. But look, I do have to say I have sympathy for Morrison in this situation. We all know the pressures you're under on an awkward dinner date at a fancy French palace when you have to tell your date you're cancelling a $60 billion submarine contract and you're so nervous you just kind of tiptoe around it, hopefully they don't get offended. I mean, we've all been there, right? Clearly, you don't want to say it during the entree because they could storm off and the entire dinner would be ruined. But then if you say it during the main course, you might miss out on the dessert. And we all know how good the French are at desserts with their souffles and their creme brulees. You just, you just don't want to miss the dessert. So, it sounds like Scott Morrison didn't break the news. Instead, 
dropping a few hints while stuffing his face with delicious French food and then doing a runner back to Australia. Or as Scott Morrison calls it, diplomacy. So yes, Macron said Morrison lied. So Morrison, of course, himself went nuclear. The French row over submarines has followed the Prime Minister to Glasgow with leaked text messages and a staunch denial from Scott Morrison that he lied. Scott Morrison says that he was trying to organise a phone call with the French President to talk about the subs deal. Uh, The French President said he was unavailable at the suggested time. He then texted Scott Morrison saying, should I expect good news or bad news for our joint submarines ambitions? The release of the President's text we can presume is to show that Mr Macron knew the future of the submarine contract was in some doubt. Scott Morrison says he responded to the text saying he wanted to talk to the president in person but that Mr Macron didn't make time for the call because he believed the news was going to be bad. I would have preferred to have told him directly but that opportunity, um, that call wasn't offered. Ah, what a master of interpersonal relationships Scott Morrison is. First, he didn't give Macron the breakup news over dinner. Then he was like, let's speak on the phone. And then he just gave up and France didn't know it was over till AUKUS was announced. Scott Morrison is worse than a douchebag who dumps you via text. He's just like, well, if I can't get them on the phone, they'll just get the message it's over when they see me out and about with my new partners. And as for those leaked texts between Macron and Morrison that wound up in the Murdoch newspapers, well, I think it's pretty obvious where they came from. Did the leaked text message from Mr Macron come from your office and has it made things worse? Well, I'll just say again, um, I made very clear what the timeline was. Well, that couldn't be more obvious. It's a bit like uh, your partner saying, honey, did you eat all the ice cream? And you reply, well, let me say again, the timeline is very clear. I'm always acting in this household's best interest. And after the leak, Morrison himself doesn't even say he can be trusted anymore. Prime Minister, how can any world leader trust you or build a relationship with you if private correspondence is going to be leaked? I have outstanding relationships with so many leaders around the world and that's what I've been engaged with over the last couple of weeks. I've already addressed the point that you've made in earlier questions. Oh my God, this wouldn't work in real relationships. Imagine if your partner was like, how can I trust you after you cheated on me? And your response was, well, I have outstanding relationships with so many women around the world. So anyways, in conclusion, it's been another completely disastrous world trip by our Prime Minister, where he managed to disappoint the entire world with our backwards climate policies, undermine and lose the trust of one of our most long-standing allies, unnecessarily irritate our biggest trading partner, annoy and confuse our future head of state, and even screw up everything so badly that old man Joe Biden threw Australia under the bus. US President Joe Biden apologising to the French president over the manner in which France learned it had lost a $90 billion submarine contract with Australia. I was under the impression that France had been informed long before that the deal was not going through. So anyways, you won't be surprised to learn that Sky News thought the trip went very well. And he's actually come out of this, I think, with some sort of dignity intact for Australia. And it's really interesting because you can tell how he's doing by just how angry Twitter is getting at him. Um, And you look at Twitter and The Guardian and places like that, and they're absolutely furious that he hasn't given away the farm on all of this. And when stopping off in Dubai on the way home, well, there was only one thing on Morrison's mind. But Scott Morrison says it's time for both countries to move on. It's important now that we all just move on, frankly. The claims were made and claims were refuted. What, What is needed now is for us to all just get on with it. So what are you going to do to try and repair this rift? I'm going to move on.
which is hopefully the same thing we all get to say when he's kicked out at the next election. It's important now that we all just move on. All right, thanks for listening to this summer repeat. I hope everyone's having a good summer. Just a reminder to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at NewsFightersPod. You can buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash newsfighters or you can uh, join our Patreon for bonus and early release episodes at patreon.com slash newsfighters. Also, sign up for our newsletter at newsfighters.com. Hope you're having a good summer. Keep fighting and bye for now. This is Newsfighters, where we fight the news so you don't have to. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.